Oprah Winfrey once said, follow your passion, it will lead you to your purpose. Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist. This is your host, Okti Vora. I'm super excited to record my another episode for the series Across the Border. And this time we are going to travel all the way to Middle East, Qatar and Singapore. Our guest for today is not just a passionate optometrist, but also an award-winning photographer. He is an optometrist who graduated from L.V. Prasad Eye Institute, Hyderabad, India, and has over 10 years of working experience in myopia control and contact lenses, which is in research, along with having a business management experience in luxury optical retail. He is currently working in a leading luxury optical retail chain, Rivoli Eyezone, in Qatar since three years. He is a passionate and an award-winning travel and astral landscape photographer, He has won numerous awards across the world, including the gold medal from Royal Photographic Society London, and his photographs were exhibited across many museums, including the Louvre Paris. Thank you so much, Vinay Bala, for being part of this podcast. Thank you so much, Shakti. It's a pleasure being here. First question that I would like to ask you is, uh, how? this is my favorite question, uh, is how did you bump into this profession? Well, optometry? Uh, optometry was actually not my choice. Uh, it was by chance. In fact, I think a majority of the optometrists would agree to this, actually. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, the reason was, uh, after my 12th standard, I wanted to become a chef and I planned to uh, join into a hotel management courses. And uh, we have a family-run business from uh, past five generations into optical business in India. And mm-hmm. my father himself is an optician and my father's brother is also uh, optometrist as well. So after my 12th standard, of course, my family didn't uh, agree for me to become a chef. And then they, my father suggested me to become an optometrist rather. And that would also help us to continue our family business in the future as well. So then I started uh, researching about optometry. Until then, I, I never knew what optometry is all about. And that's when I started to research about this career and this profession. And then I have a few of my uh, uh, my uncles who have also been practicing as optometrists then. So I consulted them. Mm-hmm. And that's how uh, I got into this that's amazing. I do agree. Majority. And that's why I feel this is my favorite question as everyone has in a very unique story of how they bumped into this profession yeah. as it was not very, you know, renowned or recognized back, I think, when we started. Uh, so this is interesting. Right. Also, uh, being, you wanted to be a chef that we'll, we'll get back to that. I think I have an interesting question <laughs> for you. <laughs> And as I mentioned briefly in my introduction that, you know, you have you've been in research and you're also currently in business management. So let me uh, ask you a question. If you could share a brief journey about your, you know, your professional life so far from India to I do know you did work in Singapore and to Qatar, if you could, you know, share. A All right. Uh, after my graduation in 2008, I joined the Reliance Vision Express in India as an optometrist. And uh, I was uh, one of the optometrists uh, working in Hyderabad in one of their stores. And I worked there for about almost Mm -hmm. like uh, two years, almost two years. And that's when I joined uh, Mm -hmm. one of my friend as a a business partner. Uh, So I was handling one of the stores. My friend in Hyderabad, he has about three stores at that time. That was back in 2010. Mm -hmm. So he was planning to open a new store uh, somewhere in an area called Gachibauli, which is close to the IT parks in Hyderabad. 
So I, th- I thought maybe this would mm-hmm. be a challenging uh, phase after my graduation. So I uh, moved on uh, to be, uh, to uh, partner with him. And that's when, uh, once I moved with him, actually, the, I think I worked with him as well for about two years also. I think back in 2011, since my father, mm-hmm. as I told you, since my father is an opti- optician as well, uh, we also have a watch watch stores as well. It's like watches and optical together. So what happened was in mm-hmm. back in 2012, uh, 2011, in fact, yeah, 2011, we had uh, uh, there is a watch brand called Titan in India. So we are one of right. the dealers of Titan in my father's shop. So they had a, a dealership meet. They have this like a conference that was in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, my father's uncle was planning to go uh, to attend the conference, and then uh, I bumped into him and I said, "Okay, I wanted to go to Singapore. I want to go to Singapore. You know, it's uh, quite a beautiful city." And I wanted to explore. I go out. Yeah. I just want to go as a holiday, taking this uh, conference as an advantage, you know. And it, and it's a fully, yeah, and it's I a fully paid that. trip. So I said, my father said, okay, that's fine. So I I just bluffed my father. I said uh, maybe uh, you know this kind of trips would be helpful for me to you know learn about the business in future and all this stuff. So they said, okay, this guy is more interested in our business. So now he's coming. So they thought I'm coming into their track. <laughs> So he said, okay, send me your passport, then I'll get your visa details and all this, all these things get done, gets done. So I just, so that's how I uh, uh, went to Singapore. Uh, that was in September 2011. Mm-hmm. So that was a three days trip. So one day was a conference and two days they arranged a sightseeing. So what I did, I extended the trip from three days to five days. So the ex- extra two days, it's, it's mm-hmm. on my own uh, in budget. So what I did after three days of this trip, the next two days, I started visiting all eye hospitals in Singapore. So I thought, okay, let's see, because by that time, uh, I, I, you know, as medical professionals, we used to hear that apart, except India, every other country, you know, in Asia or UK, US, they are well advanced in medical technologies, you know, like in uh, medical care. Right. So I, I wanted to see what difference do they have between, you know, between India and other countries, like other developed countries. And especially right. for the for the quality of eye care that we deliver in LV Prasada Institute, that's where I graduated from. So I just wanted to compare the differences mm-hmm. in medical care and uh, the quality of medical, uh, the medical, I mean, the treatments that we offer in India and abroad. Right. So I started visiting some of my hospitals across Singapore. I just sit in my, I just sat in my room and checked in Google. So it gave me a list of few hospitals. So I start, I started visiting one by one every day. So. So, like in a day, I used to cover the three or four hospitals I covered in one day. On the last day, mm-hmm. where in the morning I went to one hospital, which is called the National University Hospital of Singapore. It is attached with a university and it's a government hospital mm-hmm. and it's a university. So, I visited this hospital and it's quite huge and you know, it's, it's, it looks like a jantar mantar, if you know what I mean. It's like a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, you go from one side and you get yeah. lost, you don't know how to come back, you know, it was like that. So I lost the way in between and then uh, one doctor, I didn't know he was a doctor. He was in uh, regular formal seat. He was not wearing any uh, lab coat or anything. So he just came back to me and he said, are you looking for someone? Because I I saw your, you feel, I feel like you're lost and you have been going around this place for quite some time. So I said, I'm an optometrist. I came from India. I'm just thinking, I just plan to visit some of my hospitals here. And then the doctor said, uh, uh, what are you What are you doing here? Are you here for job search? I said, no, I just came for holiday. Then he said, uh, if you come here for holiday, why have you been visiting eye hospitals then? 
then i said <laughs> your country is too small i visited all the places in just two days and you know i didn't have anything else to see in this in your country so i just started visiting eye hospitals because i want to compare the differences between india and you then this guy said oh, that's interesting right. come let's have a coffee and discuss more about it i said who are you first of all and then he said i am the head of ophthalmology in uh, in this hospital i said he he was basically hod Oh, I nice. said, "Wow, <laughs> this is like you know, this is like uh, this is like." Trying to bump into him, get lost, and you know, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was quite uh, quite a funny moment. And then uh, he said, "Okay, let's have a coffee, and then we'll have some discussion about you. What what was your interest and everything?" So he took me to Starbucks. So we were having a coffee, and then uh, he started asking. He did some like casual interview. It was not very formal. He didn't ask me about the subject. but he asked me more about my interest my experience and what i have been doing and all this stuff and it was more li- more like a friendly chat so and then he said uh, they wanted mm-hmm. and then he said uh, in singapore at that time there was no degree optometry course at that time uh, what they had is only a diploma that is for 2 years mm-hmm. and they had some certification courses just for refraction mm-hmm. nothing else so they said they want some they wanted mm-hmm. some skilled optometrists to continue research programs in uh, singapore and they wanted a degree holders who have a better experience more uh, in terms of clinical aspects of optometry and then uh, he said if you are mm-hmm. interested really interested for research whenever we have a vacancies we would inform you or if you are interested you can join us or if you want to share with some of your colleagues or friends you please help us in you know to find a right candidate for their research programs so when i came back to india then i sent my cv to him and i said when now you have any vacancies you can let me know if i'm interested with the research topic then why not from september to december i didn't hear anything from them and i did not send any follow up emails as well i thought maybe they did not even reply to my first email so i thought maybe they just going to ignore it december mm-hmm. i received an email saying uh, they have a grant for research project for about uh, 5 million dollars it's a big right. project for 5 years and they wanted an optometrist a degree holder who has mm-hmm. over at least 2 years of uh, experience clinical experience then they asked me if you're interested uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, schedule a formal interview with the professor who is basically the principal investigator of the project and she would do a uh, formal interview for you and if once you you know hr protocol hr interviews and all if you're comfortable with all this then then you're on board okay my new everything everything happened so quickly and in just two weeks they processed my visa and in second week of january i was in singapore wow. uh, big big journey for me at that time um, that's a very amazing story and we're going to go a little more into your research because i do know your research is now out right. in the market and you did work on something very interesting so let's talk about that all right uh, so my research when i went there uh, so the project was actually uh, myopia control or contact lens treatment that is uh, just launched the market few months back from a brand called cooper vision and the lens the brand name of the lens is called mysight it's a myopia control contact lens treatment for young children between the ages of 7 to 12 so the uh, i was selected for this project as a as a principal optometrist uh, to conduct the clinical trials yeah so this project uh, is basically as i said it's between the ages of 7 to 12 and it's a very challenging age group in order to you know uh, train the insertion and removal of contact lenses mm-hmm. 
So, and I never did contact lens insertion removal for that young age children. Even Of course, even when I did my internship in Elie Prasad in, in contact lens department, the youngest I had ever fit the contact lens was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. But teaching and insertion removal to a seven years old would be much more challenging because they would, they you know, in order to for them to understand the trick, and you need to explain them the hygiene regimen and everything. So right. it was quite challenging for me in the beginning. But of course, when those children were, you know, very adaptive, they were very adaptive to this project, and they all uh, were very comfortable with the with the research program, with you know, with insertion removal techniques and everything. And then slowly things got very easy, and it was one of the one of the best uh, times I had spent with this project back then. Wonderful. I think I think this is so such an inspirational thing, though you wanted to make this trip more fun and, you know, just get away. Uh, in the pretext of just a conference, you ended up being part of one of the biggest research, which is currently helping people all around the world. So I think I, it was meant to be and I loved your story and your journey. Uh, going back to, uh, you know, you mentioned you had these visa processed. So what would be an immigration process if someone plans to work in Singapore? Do you have any ideas? Yes. About that? Uh, when I worked there back in 2012, there was no uh, legalized uh, protocol uh, to practice as an optometrist back then. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, there, there are some courses uh, for you to uh, get license to practice as an optometrist. But again, you need to spend another one year uh, time, one to one and a half year time to do those full-time courses. And mm-hmm. then once you get certified, then only you can practice as a full-time optometrist. And in order to even uh, join into these courses, you need to you need a sponsor for you to sponsor a visa to even move to that country. So the sponsor could be either an optical, optical chain or optical shop or even a hospital. So until you get an, until you get your licensed, uh, I mean the certificate to uh, certificate license to practice optometry, you will be working under someone's supervision. Like you will have a senior optometrist or a doctor, you will be working under their supervision. But of course, you'll not be able to handle the patients directly. So most you will more likely work like an observer, just observe, and you will do the basic things that you can that you can do in general practice. So once you do these courses, then you can start practicing as an optometrist. But even then, you will not be completely called as an optometrist. They will call you as a refractionist or an optician only. They don't call you as an optometrist. That's the single course law. And uh, they also have a separate courses for uh, technology where like for the diagnostics that we do, they call it as an ophthalmic technician. They don't, they don't call optometrists. So they have an ophthalmic mm-hmm. technician, a separate course, just exclusively for diagnostics. Mm-hmm. And they have another course for refraction and contact lenses. Mm-hmm. Either you can do both or you can just opt in one. Uh, and then since I was a practice, I was practicing as a research optometrist, that's the good thing. The good thing is as a research right. practitioner, you don't need to have any license because we don't give any direct prescriptions to the patient. Mm-hmm. We only do the data collection for the research that is necessary. That's it. So you don't require right. any license to practice as a research optometrist. 
Yeah, I think the certification you mentioned of being a refractionist or optician or an ophthalmic technician, we have something similar in United States as well. So they do have optometrist, which is like one part of it. But if you would like to explore other sites, they do have these right. uh, specifications as well. So it's nice to hear that Singapore also has these options where you can pick your specialties or be right. a research optometrist, which would be uh, right. the best Definitely. place to be in if you are I in mean, research. Uh, the working culture is even more uh, interesting there in Singapore. I mean, the people are so cooperative and, you know, I mean, as long as I worked there for about five plus years, I had a very wonderful career. I had a very uh, good relationship with all the all my colleagues there and we still get connected even until they tell us. I know we actually had this episode on Qatar, but I'm so... Uh, interested and intrigued with Singapore. How is the financial, uh, you know, benefit like monetary returns when you're talking about working in these different domains, not just research optometrists, but whether it's an optician or an ophthalmic In Singapore, of course, uh, the salaries depends on your experience levels and of course, definitely Mm -hmm. on your certification levels as well. Uh, usually for uh, opto, if you are a full-time diploma holder optometrist graduated from Singapore, then, of course, your mm-hmm. salaries are pretty high. Uh, on average, you can mm-hmm. say, I can tell you if you are a fresh graduate from Singapore Certified University, then the salary, I mean, I'm talking the current uh, statistics yeah, based on 2018-2020 data. Uh, the average right. salary would range between 4000 to 7000 depending on your skill mm-hmm. and, your, uh, and your talent. Yeah, And if you're working as a research optometrist, that could be between three thousand to five or six thousand, because uh, for research practitioners, that mm-hmm. depends entirely on the research budget. And okay. research okay. always have a certain period of time that it it could be either a one year project or a two years project or three years project. Yeah. So okay. and some projects have a million dollar project budget and some projects only have like hundred thousand project hundred thousand budget. So depending on the budget, your salary can change every time between the project to project. Mm, so it is not fixed income. Sometimes it can go higher than the earlier salary or sometimes it can go even lower than your earlier salary. So it's quite challenging. But if you are comfortable with with what you have, even if it's like a few hundreds less than what you're, what you're earning already, and but if you're happy with your projects, people would do still do it. But for me, as long as I worked there, it was only one project for five years. So I never had any issues with the salary at that time. And uh, and one best thing in Singapore was uh, once you if you work for 12 calendar months, that's like one full year, uh, every employee mm-hmm. in, in Singapore is entitled to have a three months of salary bonus. Like So if you work for 12 months, you get 15 months of your salary per year. That's, that's, that's end of the year bonus. End of the year bonus. So this three months of salary bonus is not from the company, but it's from the government actually. Wow, that's that's really interesting. That's good yeah. to know. So even if you don't save anything from for the twelve months, what you get end of end of the year is can be a good saving for you. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think this is very very in, yeah. uh, rewarding. So, and I think I would applaud the government for doing. Yeah, something and like every that. year there is an increment of about like eight to twelve percent depending on your performance. So, yeah. Nice. That's huge. Yeah. That's fantastic. I don't know if there are many countries who only would give you like, you know, 4% to like 6% of an increment. (laughs) 8 to 10 is like huge. Yeah. (laughs) All right. 
So now let's talk about your transition from research to optical and being in Qatar. How did so how did initially, that uh, when you know I started my career in a retail sector in India, as I said, I worked with Vision Express and I joined my friend as a partner right. in optical business. So I started my career in retail, and then uh, at one point of time, when before I moved, went to Singapore on a trip, I. I had a plan to pursue a PhD in my uh, PhD in optometry, and I, I mm-hmm. wanted to uh, become an academician actually. So after I moved back to Singapore and I wanted to pursue a PhD level, so my professor in fact advised me if you want if I wanted to pursue a PhD, and she even she even suggested me that she can you know. Uh, get some more projects under her so that that can be uh, mm-hmm. and she even suggest, she even advised that she can get some kind of scholarships for me to get through this at, mm-hmm. at the same time i got into this passion of photography at the at just like few few months mm-hmm. before this all these incidences were happening in my mind and you know and the discussions were happening with my professor so the, I got into bumped into this profession called photography, and that started keeping me more busier than my clinical work. So right. then I thought, okay, uh, it was like a dilemma whether I do I need to continue photography or research or should I go back into retail? So it was quite a deep dilemma for me. I, I used to spend like few weeks, days, months, mm-hmm. just thinking about it. Then on one fine day, I went to my professor. I said, "Okay, I think I will not be uh, pursuing a PhD because uh, now my interests have changed." So my professor, in fact, she said, "Your interests have changed. What do you mean by that?" And she started giving me all these kind of lectures. Don't don't be unstable in your mind. You know, focus on one thing. All, all these, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> right. I actually would like to pause and I would like to, uh, you know, appreciate how you uh, wanted to shift and think what are you, you know, passionate about? Because I do know a young optometrist and in fact, many, many optometrists in general are scared to shift uh, their passion or are scared to, you know, change what we are currently doing so i would like to applaud you thinking That's about right. what should you do and you know following your passion yeah thanks a lot. So, then i decided okay then i started thinking about okay if i pursue phd what am i going to do in the future and how would that benefit me so then uh, then uh, more than the positive sides of the phd the more negative sides of phd started you know piling up in my mind then just for the sake of having a doctorate in front of my name i didn't want to do that and uh, would that be helpful for my you know anyway whatever i do at the end of the day i ha- i'm the only son in my family so i'll have to take over my family's business so there is no way that... so there's no escape route there. Exactly. you have to go back. and uh, you know these kind of thoughts started uh, you know rooting much stronger in my mind then i thought okay phd is not my thing so then i quit then, uh, then I informed the professor, okay, PhD is not my thing. So I'm very happy that you have advised me or you have, you know, offered me a scholarships and all this stuff. But I'm so sorry. As long as the project is, I'm, uh, have, we have the contract with the project, I will continue doing it. I will either, you know, join my family's business and I'll continue with my passion or, you know, I'll quit optometry completely and I'll just focus on my passion. Mm-hmm. Then I started, uh, you know, rooting much deeper into photography. I used to join uh, photo walks. Then I used to start start joining some clubs. 
then i used to attend uh, the con the uh, talks about photography and then i used to join some local groups or the community they uh, used to travel to nearby places around singapore for uh, photography expeditions and all so slowly I started venturing more deeper into it balancing my research projects because uh, usually apart from uh, i mean uh, research with with like we work like uh, five weekdays and on the two weekends you have holiday like usually saturday and sunday is a holiday mm-hmm. so we used to go for mm-hmm. small trips nearby singapore for two days and then we used to come back by sunday night and monday morning house we go back to the research it was like that mm-hmm. so for next for almost like four years i continued this way and i used to keep balance between both my research work and the photography and that's how uh, things changed and uh, five years ago uh, that was in 2015 i got married and then uh, when i got married the legal things regarding to visa became much stronger and became much uh, stricter and you know it it was not easy to even get a normal general tourist visa because the problem was back in 2012 when i moved to singapore the population level uh, between 2012 and 2015 rose by about 35% in just three in just three years so you can you can expect you can you can imagine what's the number of immigrants coming you know day in day out wow. so there's a lot of migration going on at the time uh, because singapore wanted a uh, workforce skilled uh, skilled right. workforce uh, people right. by then 35% is a huge number and there are a lot of uh, pressure from the opponent political parties mm-hmm. saying that you know you, we are losing the local jobs the people jobs for the local people so right. they restricted all these visa processes even for tourists right i need to uh, mm. you know bring my wife there only on option of family visa and even that got a uh, quite tight even my university tried on behalf of me but even the university people failed to do that they even they couldn't get it done so my wife used to travel in and out on our tourist visa mm. and that too you know that too is not guaranteed a lot of political issues happened right. and uh, because of all those issues uh, my wife even couldn't find a good job there and uh, even my project was coming to almost to the con- conclusion stage at that time so then i thought okay uh, i think it's better for us to move out from this place and then i started looking for better jobs it's better for me to right. plan from mm-hmm. before rather than you know rather than getting into the last minute and then they said okay sorry we cannot renew your visa you're out then this mm-hmm. job which i am currently working in qatar i found this on linkedin they said there is an opportunity right. in qatar for a retail optical chain they're looking for optometrists uh, with like at least 5 years of experience then i uh, so then i have applied for this job then a lot of interviews happened i think i had around like 5 or 6 rounds of interviews mm-hmm. with different managers at different levels from uh, from local level to the ceo level actually Wow, that's yeah, interesting. And uh, they wanted an optometrist who can handle the entire region of Qatar like the entire country of Qatar. And they had at that time they had only two right. stores run, which are running. And then uh, they wanted to expand mm-hmm. the number of stores that they have for the, the next few years. So they said they wanted someone as a cluster optometrist who can handle all the optometrists in their in their shops and also to help uh, develop right. the business optical business in the region as well. i and i have a good uh, i mean experience in in handling people especially when i was working in research and especially for business management all you need is research whether you right. research clinical or you research market 
the I, I think I think the technique is the same. You need to you need to read about the competitors. You need to read about the market. You Correct. need to read about you know the business uh, strategies that's going on around the place or around the country or in this region. So I got uh, so I got selected. Then uh, mm-hmm. I in fact not for Qatar. I was selected for Oman, which is a city called Muscat. So I joined mm-hmm. this company as a cluster optometrist uh, back in 2017 in Muscat. And uh, when I joined there, uh, the Muscat is going through a phase of uh, some kind of crisis, you can say. And the businesses are not mm-hmm. very well performing. And uh, and Oman has started uh, a, a kind of, uh, a kind of what you, call, you can say, maybe like a tightening immigration policies and all. So they, they, they call it mm-hmm. Omanization. What they have mm. done is it's same like what happened in Singapore and Oman also what they have did is they stopped migrating, uh, immigrating people to their country and every business or every shop in Oman need to have at least 50% of Omanis working there. The balance 50% can be expats. So because of this, majority of the people back there, uh, you know, lost jobs, including optometries or ma- many other industries actually. And my -hmm. company didn't want to expand their business as well because of that kind of, you know, because of these visa issues and all this stuff. So then they said, okay, Vinay, I think this part of the region now uh, wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't be expanding anytime sooner. But we have another uh, better uh, region, which is we call, which is next to the neighboring countries, Qatar. And the business is really booming there and we wanted to expand it much faster. And they said, we want to transfer you there. I said, uh, it's fine then. I mean, as long as I have the same job role, the responsibility and everything, I'm happy to move. So right. then uh, then I checked with, checked the, checked them in the cost of living stuff. You know what we do calculates in our, we do calculations in our mind. What is, you know, as whenever you move to a new place, you need to look into your cost of living, you know, your lifestyle, how it's going to be, how the city would be. You know, we look into we look into A to Z of the country. We look for the food availability, whether you can get Indian food or not. You know, <laughs> yeah. So I started looking into everything. Then I found Qatar is slightly more expensive uh, than Muscat. Then mm-hmm. I demanded to my company because it was only after three months they wanted to transfer me from Muscat to Qatar. It was only three months in the company. So I started demanding. I mean, see, if you want me to move, the country is much more expensive than Muscat. And the package that you're offering me right now wouldn't be, you know, any benefit for me to move out there. So I need to have some benefit if you're moving to me, moving me there. Right. So my boss at the time he quickly agreed. Okay, when I what is it? What is our offer? I said this is it. Then they did not negotiate. They said okay, good, go ahead. So they gave That's they good. gave me a green signal. Then I moved back to Qatar and then settled here now. That's wonderful. I think what you had, you highlighted a couple of very important points here, which I would like to, you know, uh, mention just because many of my listeners are uh, students or like fresh graduates, is it's important whenever you want to move to a different country, just don't look at the glamour side of it, but look at the cost of living, look at the immigrant immigration laws. And are you going to really save or uh, have a good returns versus your investment exactly. and do not fear to negotiate i feel these couple of points are extremely important even when you're choosing a country where you move you know if you have to move or if you want to move outside totally India. because see majority of the people think uh, you know when 
when what they do is they 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 calc they convert the money in indian rupees suppose say as an example if you say okay i'm offering you 3000 dollars of your salary per month okay and you're moving to us or any other country whatever and yeah. and 3000 3000 dollars is roughly about like 2 lakhs in india mm-hmm. yeah and they say in india they hardly earn about like 20 30000 and now they suddenly right. look at the look at two more zeros next to the, next to it and uh, it's like okay my you see my yearly package is this big i'm earning like 2 lakhs which is like 10 times of my monthly income all this stuff they right. they get very you know you know they get very enthusiastic about it but the moment they travel to that country then they would understand that 3000 is not enough even to make a living absolutely. for just a month you know absolutely absolutely i think that's very important because the cost of living i do know we all have this mentality of conversion yeah and it looks very very rewarding but the cost of living because when you are say in united states or in qatar or singapore any country you're spending in that same currency exactly. so the conversion really doesn't matter you don't believe yeah, you don't believe when i went to singapore back in 2012 for the first few weeks i used to even convert the money when i buy a simple water bottle you know right a, oh yes absolutely i've done that too i'm guilty of that a bottle of water for, costs about 3 dollars i used to tell it oh my god right. 3 dollars is like 150 rupees just for a bottle of half liter of water you know <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> but again back then but by then but you're already earning in dollars so you're spending in dollars there is no other way <laughs> right exactly but you still it's an endless conversion till you come at peace yeah. like this whole thought of it okay i'm going to earn you, in dollars i'm going to it took me about 6 to 8 months just to you know accommodate myself uh, for that country when i went there absolutely absolutely i think i totally totally i do remember my first groceries shopping that i did was around say 80 dollars or and i i felt i was like looted i'm like how can things be so expensive but yes i think i think that's what we all go through that phase yeah. uh, so i i really liked how you had, you touched about you know different uh, topics in in your in your story about immigration about finance and you know the how much you're going to earn versus how much are your expenses now i would like to ask you another question is i don't know there is this a lot of perception where very people do say that you know if you're a researcher you cannot go into retail or business management you did talk a briefly about a point that research is research you know whether you do market research versus business research but how difficult or easy was the transition for you from being into retail to research to back uh, to retail that's a good one actually that you're focusing on uh, it totally depends on individual's interest if you are really interested to uh, to do something you definitely put 100% of your effort into it so mm-hmm. as an optometrist yeah. we are trained to practice both clinically or in retail sector i think Absolutely. majority of the optometrists would agree to it especially the degree holders majority of them yeah. will agree to this because we have a retail exposure during our uh, degree program in, during internship and we have our clinical uh, exposure in our internship as well so we right. we have a, we have a plus point whether you know once you out of your university you can go to any direction you can either go to into clinical which is like hospital sector or you can go to retail sector but some people Absolutely. what they do is like you know some optometrists when you go into hospital sector and if if that interests them and if that really intrigues them to continue in their career majority of them would continue really continue into it but you know at any point of time 
it doesn't take much time for them to come out of hospital sector and join retail sector probably it would take some time because the the atmosphere is different and you need to read you need to learn a lot about brands that you de- that you have to deal with especially for the optical lenses right. the frames sunglasses contact lenses all there are, man- there are many brands in the world so you need to learn about them and of course if if selling is not your skill and for optometrists of course you you don't really need to be a very good salesman we are more like a medical practitioner so when you do a little bit of you know guidance or suggestions to the to the patient when you're doing your refraction or when you're doing your you know regular workup in the clinic giving them like about just like 10 15% of the information about contact lenses or optical lenses or the frames that can actually you can actually mm-hmm. see the little bit of information into the patient's mind but when you when they go out of your clinic onto the shop floor the salesman would do the rest mm-hmm. you don't need to do anything much about it you know so your right. job is only to see the little bit of information to the patient's mind what kind of lenses would be suitable for your prescription and what Absolutely. frame can be a very good com- what frame can complement you well with that kind of lenses so this is also what we have already learned about in in our in our degree so we know what kind of different lenses we have whether it could be single vision bifocal progressive aspheric digital aspherics whatever it is so right. we know what kind of prescription would give a very comfortable and clearer vision not only central but peripheral vision clearance to clearer to the patient so just give them a basic information required and the sales persons out, you know out of the out of your clinic would handle the rest and at the end of the at the end of the deal the optometrist rolls comes again that's when you take some the required measurements like whether you do a pd or pupil you know the pupillary distance or the segment height or you know you need to do some frame adjustments or all this stuff it takes a little bit of time but i don't think it's a really tough job right right i think i really like how you said that we are actually trained overall yeah. especially in our degree and it's all about you know making up your mind if you want to do it you'll be able to exactly. achieve it you know sometimes if you're if you're if you really need something like see suppose we, not, not everyone knows how to swim right but but if you right. but if i throw you in a in a in an ocean or in a in a swimming pool you will swim the best you can to survive your to to survive right right <laughs> yeah we, we we will give 100% effort and do it to keep afloat rather than sinking Absolutely. so if Absolutely. majority of the optometrists who come to a different country or you know in or in in their in, the, in their play workplace wherever they are working so we need to put that kind of 100 that kind of effort you know where where, where you do it or you die so if you are right. if, if you are prepared for it you will do anything i i loved i loved your example and i liked how you said that we just put your 100% and you will definitely survive and swim yeah, sure. <laughs> thank you so much vinay i think your story has been bash, uh, very very informative now which were the major hurdles or limitations you had you know throughout the journey if you had to major pick hurdles i never had any major hurdle actually uh, minor minor hurdles but never had a major hurdles apart apart from mm-hmm. these visa issues i never had any uh, major issues with my optometry career until today yeah i think i would like to uh, highlight that too that you know people do feel you know is optometry the right career what's my future and they do 
they might have questions but i feel optometry personally would not give you any hurdles or limitations visas yeah. yes yeah. visas anyway it's uncontrollable you know it's not in your hands absolutely and it's absolutely. not in your employer's hands as well i mean it's in, it's from the government so we'll have to right. abide to the law so there's no other way now uh we did a lot of information now we're going to go to a fun segment which i started recently which i like to call a rapid fire uh like any right. other talk show there's a lot of fire in it lot of fun questions unfortunately no hamper but i'm sure it'll be fun for you so i can guarantee a fun hamper but not an actual hamper <laughs> okay sounds interesting <laughs> all right so are you ready to be you know on this rapid fire Uh, all right your first question uh, what do you prefer your research life or retail, retail life? life your favorite travel so destination uh, pick one <laughs> okay i'll give you two you can pick two okay my favorite travel destination it's a place called mount bromo it's in indonesia so mm-hmm. we basically can take the entire country indonesia is one and my second travel destination is norway Uh, all right so being a professional photographer what is one habit of people that annoys you the most when they are taking up photographs what do i need to use <laughs> that's awesome all right going to our next question in the rank uh, rank this in our order of preference what do you like doing the most travel photography photography or travel optometry okay good uh Your favorite, favorite country, country to, to work, work in? I only worked in four countries: India, Singapore, Muscat, Oman, and Qatar. So I think if you ask me to working work working uh, culture and lifestyle, I think Singapore. Wonderful. Uh, as you are a chef, which is your favorite, or you wanted to be a chef, which is the dish that the you best. cook the best? I should ask this to your wife. I cook well. a lot. I can make uh, biryani and and some varieties of chicken. Nice. Which is your favorite dish? My favorite dish is uh, bendi curry. And uh, now, if we were suppose, if we plan to write an autobiography about your journey or of your life, uh, what would you like the wow. title to I be? I wish someone writes it actually. <laughs> Or I write myself <laughs> autobiography. Okay, title. I would rather yeah. say time traveler. Awesome! I I love that. I love that title. Uh, one thing, if you would like to change or add in an optometry curriculum, what uh, would that be? I think uh, not changing, but rather I would be adding something called preparing mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's quite deeper, yes. deeper subject, but I think it's it's good. I mean, not only in optometry. I think every every uh, you know every degree course, right. it can be engineering, medicine, or anything. I think. having a course called preparing mindset would also be very helpful for the people i mean for the students in fact absolutely i think i i love this suggestion uh, not many people do focus on it now my last question for this rapid fire is if you had to give one message to your younger self be passionate. what would that be you are passionate oh come on how can you say that you are you are an example of being a passionate person <laughs> be passionate be compassionate Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Vinay, for you know playing this rapid Thank fire with me. And before we end this podcast, what would be your one final takeaway message? One takeaway message. I would say mm-hmm. chase your dreams. Wonderful. I I love that. It was a pleasure and a huge learning experience for me, and I'm sure all for my listeners too. Thank you so much, Vinay, for spending. Thanks. So and one more, one last thing that I wanted to add on. 
is chase mm-hmm. your dreams but not in your sleep yeah wake up <laughs> Absolutely, I loved it. Thank you so much uh, once again for all your insightful stories. And I think uh, I I really am sure many of the students are going to pursue their passion, their dreams, and are going to explore more opportunities in optometry. Thank you so much, Vinay, once again for Most all your welcome. time. Thanks a lot, Upti. Take care. Take care.